Mental health in the workplace is top of mind for many employees and employers these days. Supporting mental health in the workplace is becoming no longer a nice to have, but a necessity. Offering wellness solutions as part of any healthcare plan may just be the first step. While the importance of offering mental health programs at work is becoming better known, it looks like employers are failing to meet the call. In fact, a recent survey from Yo found a staggering three quarters of employed Americans, or around 76%, feel their employer does not make mental health of its employees a priority. I'm your host, Joe McIntyre, and on this episode of Back to Work, we will explore the why and the how for employers looking to improve the mental health offerings of their workplace. Our guest for this episode is Janet Gerhard, Director of Public Relations for FHE Health. Janet speaks nationally on issues related to bullying and hostile work environments, stress and anxiety in the workplace, and how to handle addiction and or behavioral health crises in the workplace. Janet, welcome to the podcast. Joe, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you, and I'm looking forward to a healthy discussion on mental health. So, Janet, maybe let's start right there. Uh, Why is it important to talk about mental health as it relates to our jobs? Yeah, well, if we looked at mental health the same way we look at our physical health, we'd have a stronger uh, aptitude for what our, our mental health really is. Oftentimes, we're so concerned about getting to the doctor and making sure that we have all of our physical entities operating at full tilt. But when we look at mental health, there's still stigma involved and there's still people who are reticent to talk about whether they have a depressive disorder or whether they're on a slippery slope with drugs or alcohol. And so in the workplace, we do everything we can to appear to be balanced. And that's the real key here, Joe, is making sure that we have balance in our lives. Obviously, the pandemic changed a lot uh, about the way we uh, not only live, but the way we work. Do you think, is it you know your thought that uh, the increased conversation around mental health in the workplace is an outcome of COVID? Or has this topic been kind of growing in importance, uh, mental health in the workplace for, for a bit longer than that? So Joe, really what COVID did was shine a spotlight on mental health. Many people worked from home. They were managing, uh, teaching children because schools were operating from home. They were managing their jobs. They were trying to manage relationships that were all of a sudden a long distance relationship. And so COVID took what was already a burgeoning issue of stress and anxiety in the workplace and took it to a whole new level. And so some of those things that I just talked about, trying to be a teacher at home, trying to uh, manage the health of our household, as well as trying to perform a job, really became uh, a very tough issue for so many of us. When we look at the first responder community, they were uh, in danger, right? They had to be in the workplace. They had to be dealing with the community. When we look at our friends who are uh, public transportation workers, they were engaging with ridership and were concerned about their own health. And in many of the sects of the workplace, management wasn't taking care of their health. They weren't providing the correct PPE. They weren't providing support for people who were struggling with higher levels of stress and anxiety. So were we dealing before that with stress and anxiety and workplace pressures? Absolutely. So what COVID did is it blew it up. 
And so many of it, many of the stress and anxiety weren't visible to the employer because where were their employees? At home. So we can't fault management entirely, but we can say that once folks started returning to work and they were seeing um, different signs and symptoms of mental health, they may not have been responding to it accurately because they hadn't seen it for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned uh, how some of that stress and anxiety can be invisible to to employers. On that same kind of vein, uh, in that Yo survey I mentioned earlier, only one in five employees even know whether or not their company provides them with access to mental health resources as part of their insurance. What do employers need to do differently to make sure that those services are not only more visible, but people actually take advantage of them? Um, is there, a, I'm sure there's not some sort of magic pill, but how, how does that work? There's not a magic pill, but there would be an improved communication. And what do I encourage individuals is, look, it's your mental health and it's your health care. So you're, it's incumbent upon you to do the research. Employers provide insurance options. And if you're someone who has a history of mental health in their family, has a history of mental health with children and other people that are covered under their policy, I encourage people to really investigate the option of an insurance purchase that includes a really strong mental health component. So management can, can make offerings of insurance. They can uh, encourage people in a certain way. Oftentimes when people have a mental health issue, they're still trying to hide it from their employer. And they think if they purchase insurance that has a really strong mental health component, then it's an insight into their health to the employer. It's not. Your employer doesn't know which, they know which policy you choose, but the HR department is really the area uh, of um, influence. So what would I say to employers? Provide those insurance policies that have a comprehensive mental health program. Provide a safe environment that people can talk about their mental health. Joe, if you or I broke our arm, we would have it on Facebook, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we'd have it on social media so that people would, you know, send cards and gifts. That's my, uh, <laughs> that would be my reason to do it. But if we're struggling with a behavioral health issue, as I said earlier, we're doing everything we can to mask it. So it shows up in signs and symptoms, though. The people who are struggling with depressive disorder, often taking more days off than normal, often arriving to work late, um, often in, in a very personal way, not sleeping well, not eating well. So employers, uh, as I'll, and I'll circle back to communication, employers need to be communicating that there are programs available, that there's insurance available that covers the uh, cost of the treatment, and a safe environment where I can say, look, I'm, my stress is between a, an eight and a 10 daily. Uh, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety. If we had those conversations, people would be much more apt to be seeking services in a safe way. Yeah, you, you mentioned a few areas where employers can identify where someone may be struggling, like showing up late or taking more off days. Um, I think a lot of employers, a lot of bosses probably want to be more mindful of the mental health and their employee of their employees without being too intrusive uh, and asking too many personal questions. So is there a 
is there a right balance or how do you balance that um, as an right. employer who wants to help their employees and make sure that they're understanding, you know, where people may be struggling, where they need help? Yeah, so employers in larger um, companies and in larger public companies or public uh, ventures, which could be government, which could be anything from the Department of Environmental Protection to uh, our, our sewer workers, um, they have e EAP, Employee Assistance Programs. And EAPs are a great way for management to identify someone who may be on a slippery slope and refer them to EAP. Many times, unfortunately, when people start calling in or illustrating signs and symptoms of a behavioral health issue, it becomes a disciplinary matter in the workplace instead of a healthcare matter. So, Joe, if you and I had a colleague that we saw was struggling and that we uh, took aside and said, hey, man, I think the, you know, you don't seem yourself, you seem as though you're distant, you seem as though you may be struggling with something personally, we want to have those conversations in private. And so does management. But if we saw a colleague, wouldn't we throw them a rope instead of just what we tend to do is we tend to isolate people. Now, oh, Janet's not herself today. I'm leaving her alone, right? Instead of reaching in and say, Janet, what's going on today? Is there something you want to talk about? So management's best way to not violate someone's HIPAA, but to recognize that something is shifted, that there's a change, that, they, that their employer may be off balance, is to refer them to EAP. Obviously, there's, there's a trend talking about... Um... You know how much people are working. People are considering a four-day work week, and and how that may help our mental health in, in general. But how much of a role does the demand, I guess, or the expectation that people are always on? You know, especially when people more people are working from home, always available. Uh, how much of a role does that play in someone's mental health? Yeah. So see my phone, <laughs> <laughs> and and like Joe, where's yours? Is it close by? Oh, that's right here. Yeah. Yep. Of course. And so in. You know, FHE Health, which, um, you know, we've been around for a very long time. What we've seen is a change in people's reaction to the business hours. We used to work seven and a half hours a day, right? And now because of this, it's the devil. It's the angel and the devil. We are looking at our phones after work hours. We're responding to emails. We uh, see a text and our heart starts racing. Uh, we are playing tapes in our head of what we could have done, what we should have done, how we missed something. And so the advances of technology, while wonderful and streamline our work days and help us manage, it, it gives the illusion, and it's an illusion, that we should be available all the time, right? And so I work in crisis. My job is to make sense out of other people's chaos. And I have a little chaos of my own, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so if you're here to make sense out of mine, I'm glad. Um, but we we do some things with our phone that extends our work day. And then that extends the time that we're not spending with our families. So I don't know about you, but if my any of my sons tell me one more time, mom, put your phone down, be present, right? It, it pulls on my heartstrings. Yeah. And so we have created an illusion of we're available all the time. We can blindside our families by being work by working during the times that we should be watching TV, playing Scrabble, out for a walk. Uh, I encourage people to put their phones down. 
I have a sister who's the immediate past president of a cancer hospital. And when you walk into her back door, she has six chargers and you have to leave your phone in her mudroom. She's charging it for you. <laughs> but unless you have a four week old baby, she wants to see you. And it's such a healthy approach to get back to how we were when we had landlines, right? So yes, uh, technology is a very, very strong component in not in upping our stress level. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about a stress level, how many of us during the day say, oh, I'm stressed or most people don't say I'm anxiety. They say they're stressed. So Joe, today I'm going to ask you one through 10, 10 is the highest. What's your stress level today? Stress level today for me would be around a four, uh, but tomorrow I have a in-person meeting, first one in a while. Uh, that'll up uh, up to a six or seven or an eight, so um, depends on the day. Yeah, I have a colonoscopy tomorrow. Mine's going to be a 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, another area of health that we don't talk about enough, but uh, diagnostics. But most people are working and living in stress levels that are six, seven, eight. Yeah. And what does untreated stress lead to? Anxiety. And anxiety can lead to panic attacks. And unmanaged stress is really the, the, the basis of three or four different uh, healthcare issues that can lead to death. So when people tell me they're stressed, I pay attention, right? And then I ask, what's your stress level? Does that lead to anxiety? Where, where's your anxiety stemming, stemming from? Now, some of us have situational anxiety. I can't cross a bridge without my knuckles being white, my foot barely touches the pedal. <laughs> I can get myself through it. I, I turn on a Bruce Springsteen. I know how to, I know every word to every song. I can get myself across that bridge. But if someone is in the workplace and their anxiety is kicking in, it actually appears to be other things, right? You stop, you become paralyzed. You're not responding to questions that are being asked of you. You're unable to complete your work tasks. And you oftentimes disappear into a private office or a bathroom. And so what things are and what they look like in the workplace can be two different things. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to me uh, over the past few years, and there's been plenty of research on this, that all this stress buildup, uh, all this anxiety that people have been experiencing over the past few years is leading to some of the highest levels of burnout, uh, quote unquote, that um, that the industry and the, the employment industry has ever seen. So what are some strategies that employers can use to, one, prevent burnout uh, of their employees, or two, if they can sense that some people are or people have even said, their employees have said, hey, I'm feeling a little burnout. How can they address that? Um, are there any techniques or strategies to, to kind of reverse any burnout that people are experiencing? Yeah, so burnout is so chronic. And as we address that, we're not just addressing it in the workplace. We get home and I don't know about you, but if I have a bad day and, and someone in my home says, how was your day? I say, I don't want to relive it, right? Correct. Because as we talk about it, we're traumatizing ourselves. And so burnout, which can include uh, no longer being effective, which can include calling in sick and irregular timeframes, uh, that Monday call out, which people decide on Sunday night, even before Monday morning, I'm not going in tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? So what can employers do? They can have a more open and honest conversation about what burnout looks like. 
we can build teams in the workplace where when we see someone who's struggling, we have others step in and sort of lift, lift their uh, work efforts. We can uh, provide time where people can look, I need a, I call it a Facebook five. I can walk outside for 15 minutes and get some fresh air and walk. It oxygenates our brain. It builds a healthier, uh, healthier body. So there are things that employers can do without making it seem so obvious that someone is struggling, right? It's like that recess, uh, you know, if someone does something wrong, everyone gets held in for recess. Let's be proactive in our efforts to say, we're all tired. I'm tired too. How do we, how do we create an environment that says it's okay to be burned out for a minute? Right. And how do we prevent people from instead of burning out to the point where they say, look, I'm, I'm out of here. How do we prevent that? And some of those preventions are management's uh, responsibility. Uh, but some of those preventions are also self-care, which means when you leave that workplace, you shut the door and you turn work off and you you get in your car or on public trans, you put some beads in your ear, you throw some music on, you meditate. Meditation's a huge way to prevent burnout when people get time to be alone with themselves and alone with their thoughts. I don't mean get in your head because oftentimes when we get in our head, we can't get out. But really learning how to breathe efficiently, it sounds you know very homeopathic, but it, at FHE Health, we have a whole program on breath works and how that gets us to the next step and repositions our mind for functioning at a higher level. There are certainly things that management can do with creating a more healthy work environment, but the onus is on us as individuals to change the way we're not going to change management, but we can change the way we respond to management. It seems like there's been a great amount of progress uh, when it comes to mental health in the workplace, but maybe two part question here. Um, there's still a stigma clearly uh, around mental health generally and specifically in the workplace. Where do you think scale of one to 10, uh, the workplace you know, generally is now uh, and in terms of you know, mental health awareness and approach to it and embracing uh, the challenges uh, and where, you know, how do we get that to, to improve uh, over the next few years? Right. So I think before the pandemic, we were at a one and yeah. I think we're at a four now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we're not quite at 50 percent. We yeah. need to have people who are thinking more like you and I are, that this is time for a discussion. Yeah. And it's not just enough to um, put into a policy that you have time. We have to have a it's not just policy driven, it's conversation driven. And I often talk about a healthy work environment. And what does that mean? It means that we have the privilege to have um, discussions about failures. It means we have the privilege to discuss our own creativity and ideas that we want to bring to the table. Um, it just seems to me that there, there's such a, a far way to go, but that's why I was so excited to be with you uh, this morning to have this conversation and to get on a soapbox and say, addressing mental health doesn't cost any more money than addressing your physical health, right? If you had a heart attack or if you had uh, diabetes, you'd go to a specialist, right? And so let's talk about how we get to that specialist and that it's 
It's really okay. Our brain is an organ. So let's take care of it. Mm -hmm. Janet, before we go, um, are there any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners? Specifically, you know, if there's one thing that employees should keep in mind about mental health in the workplace, and then conversely, one thing that employers uh, should keep in mind about promoting a positive uh, work environment and positive uh, mental health workplace. What are what are some things that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, Joe, I uh, told you my history is working with unions and I've never seen a more comprehensive approach. And that means setting eyes on each other. That means when I see Joe McIntyre, I say, Joe, you look great today. Everything going OK. And I listen to what you say in response. Many of us are dealing with grief. We've lost people over the pandemic. Many of us are dealing with a very complex um, financial environment. So we can all sort of be one singular about those things because we've all experienced it over COVID. But setting eyes on each other and asking questions and being present. Joe, we used to have work families right? Where you had the, you know, you knew the mom in the work family. She always organized work parties. You knew the single guy or gal who would bring a bottle of soda, <laughs> you know, and, but we knew when weddings were, when people lost someone that they loved, when there was uh, a divorce in a family. And the best thing we can do is shoulder the grief, shoulder the stress and encourage people in the right way to get help. In many workplaces, my information from FHE Health is on the union bulletin board. It's in HR so that people know, look, if, if you're struggling or if you think you're on a slippery slope, you're going to call Janet and reach out. Um, but that's what employees can do. Set eyes on each other, start to create a work family. Doesn't mean you have to invest a ton of time with other people. Check in. How are you? What's going on? Everything okay? Employers can be doing similar things, but collecting less data, because what we care about is that we're protecting employees with who may be struggling, but making sure that there's health care available that covers mental health, making sure that the EAP, the Employee Assistance Program, is effective, and making sure that even as an individual, look, a manager is a person, right? We, you know, we ha they've got a beating heart. So checking in with individuals in a private area, keeping their information private, among the things we talk about consistently at FHE Health is making sure that we're ensuring confidentiality. Even though we want this to be a large conversation, if someone has uh, you know, a medical issue, we want to ensure their confidentiality. Behavioral health is a medical issue. Janet, this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will agree. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, questions, concerns, how should they go about doing that? Yeah, thank you. So I work at FHE Health. We are a dual diagnosis location in Deerfield, Florida, but we work nationally. So if any of your listeners are interested in more information or they feel like they're on a slippery slope with a mental health issue, they can reach out to my uh, cell number, 267 249 0513 call or text or they can send me an email at jgearhard at fhehealth.com and we certainly respond uh very quickly when people are struggling whether they're in crisis or they just have a couple of questions well janet thank you so much for being on the podcast today i think this is an awesome conversation hopefully uh, enlightening just not just for employers but employees as well to know you know how to approach some of these pretty difficult um, and pretty complex challenges. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time to think through mental health as in the employment arena, as well as who we are at home. And also, finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Yo's Back to Work podcast. To hear future episodes, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen in. For Yo's Back to Work, I'm Joe McIntyre. Thanks for listening.